so we're going to talk about, let's just fix the screen a little. We're going to talk about building up marriages, like the, my favorite topic, but it isn't just building up marriages. It's building up marriages once you end the fight. So the work that I do with a lot of my clients is helping them end the fight. All right. So what's that fight? We've talked about it before. That fight is the dynamic is what we like to call it in our professional language, or it's the dance the two people are doing together again and again and again. It's a fight that you're having over and over, sometimes about little things, sometimes about big things. I like to joke that it can be about the cap off the toothpaste or leaving the toilet seat up or leaving uh, plates in the sink. You know, these are all great triggers for the fight. But it could also be about really serious stuff like you don't give me enough attention or you're always at work or uh, you're spending too much money, like 40% of marriages and because of money concerns. That fight rarely has a conclusion. It might end with some intimacy at the end. Some people like to cap off their fight with uh, some good intimacy, but the fight itself, we're making it seem like it's okay, by the way, but the fight itself is very destructive. And over time, as it keeps coming up, even though it's a place to release tension, because it's unresolved, it chips away at the relationship. So people come to me, they figure out how to end the fight, and then what? So maybe you're not having that fight, or maybe you've learned how to end it. This is really the then what part. So let, first, let's just cover what are the elements of the fight? The elements of the fight are, by elements, I mean, what is driving it? It could be there's unresolved emotions, maybe from a previous fight, or it might be that your expectations regarding the relationship are not being met and that's bringing up a lot of feelings. Or it might be that you've got unresolved emotions from another aspect of your life, they're bleeding in. And you're just, uh, my partner just walked in and I said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm angry. And she sort of smiled about it. And I said, well, I'm doing my best to stay out of the way. And she said, good, keep it that way and, and laughed. And so, you know, that was her way of telling me I've got some unresolved tensions and I'm not gonna enter into the fight with you, right? It was actually a great self-management tool. But very often we don't have that kind of awareness going on. So we walk in, if she didn't have that awareness going on she might come in and say, what the hell are you doing sitting there? Why aren't you at work or whatever, you know, even though it's the pandemic, this is work, right? All right, so unresolved tensions, or we might be feeling unfulfilled personally. It might be that we're at a job. I was talking to a client yet today who has an intensely personally fulfilling job and he loves going to work and he loves putting in the hours. But guess what? His wife has got a nose to the grindstone kind of job. And so she's got some a sense of, of being unfulfilled in, in that regard. He is on mission and fulfilling what he feels is his purpose in life she is getting paid to do a job that she's not so thrilled about. So 70 or 80% of Americans are having her experience. So it's possible that feeling unfulfilled personally in some way is coming in and being, being some of the energy that goes into the fight. Um, lack of self-care can be a big trigger. So if we're not sleeping enough, eating enough, exercising enough, if we're not having uh, enough spiritual contact, which whatever that means to you, uh, com spiritual community or commu just community, we're not having enough community. You know, those are all things that can chip away and feed into the energy that goes into the fight. 
And um, it might also be that because of all the other things that are going on, the relationship itself has been neglected, meaning you're not spending enough quality time together. The relation, relationships are built on conversation and quality time and, and intimacy, let's be real. Uh, and so if you're sexually frustrated or emotionally frustrated or, and just not having investing in that relationship, that's gonna add to the energy that goes into the fight. So when you have all those things together, the next piece is that because of all those things, you're easily triggered, right? If we're too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we can be really easily triggered. And so if our triggers are ready, we've got all those other things going on, it isn't too hard to jump into the fight. So if you want to avoid the fight and you want to build the relationship, building the relationship and avoiding the fight are intimately related. <coughs> Number one, we need to always be aware of and managing our triggers. What are the things that trigger us? What are the things, the areas in our lives where we felt that we were criticized? What are the, uh, as children or, or growing up that carry into our marriage? What are the areas in our lives where we feel inadequate? What are the areas in our lives that we have unresolved feelings? These are all gonna be triggers for us. And if our partner who's a master trigger pusher, usually unconsciously happens to tap those triggers we're going to go off. And part of trigger management is having uh, time for meditation and prayer, mindfulness in our lives so that we're aware of how we're feeling and we're aware of those triggers. And we, that also builds up other parts of our brain that are not related. Triggers are very much uh, locked into our amygdala, which is always looking for danger. And so, you know, when we're anxious, angry, feeling inadequate, we're looking for danger. Uh, other parts of our brain are very rational and think these things through. So if we're hanging out in other parts of our brain through practic regular practices of mindfulness, meditation, and prayer, you can see another podcast or, or a presentation I've done on that if you want. There's tons of material on this. Then we're gonna, less likely to be triggered, right? That's number one. We want to always be aware of and managing those tr triggers. Uh, and know that, let's go back to hungry, angry, angry, lonely, and tired. If we're any of these things, if we're hungry, like let's say that we're trying to lose weight, we're gonna be hungry. We're gonna be more easily triggered. If we're angry about something else, like my partner was telling me about, we're more likely to be triggered. If we're feeling disconnected from other people, we're feeling alone and lonely, we're more likely to be triggered. If we're tired, we're more likely to be triggered. And that the acronym for that is HALT. Uh, when we're any of those things, we HALT come to our rational mind, comes to a HALT, and our amygdala takes over. Next would be um, self-care, really making sure that we're doing our best to eat healthily and regularly, that we're not binge eating or that we're allowing ourselves to binge eat in very limited amounts if that's important to us. Like by binge eating, I mean like having some chocolate or some candy as a treat instead of looking at it as binge eating. I obviously have some work to do on my thinking around chocolate there. Um, making sure that we exercise regularly, that maybe we're going out for walks or we have gym time or we've got a sport that we like, making sure that we're connected to other people, making sure that we're sleeping enough, all that basic well-being stuff, super, super important. So we've got to be, it starts with me. Um, having a sense of fulfillment 
at work. And if we can't have it at work, maybe there's a hobby or some other interest that we can engage in that's going to give us, or maybe there's charity work that's going to give us that sense of fulfillment. Very, very important that we feel fulfilled. Otherwise, we feel like we're selling our soul for money, which is not anything all, all, all the time. There's not anything anyone wants to experience or feel. We want to have a feeling of fulfillment in our lives. Okay, so once we're taking care of ourselves, that needs to be balanced with our care and attention for others. And so that shows up as caring for our partner. Some suggestions I'd make are if you haven't checked out the five love languages, you and your partner should go to the five love, Google the five love languages. There is a test, a test that you can take to find out what each of your love languages are, is, <laughs> to find out what your love languages are. Um, and once you find out what each other's love languages are, every day, make an effort to fill your partner's love language and hopefully they'll do the same for you. So my partner, for example, is big on acts of service. And so every day I make an effort to do something that she experiences as an act of service. And so she knows that I'm thinking of her and I'm nurturing her in a way that she can receive. Uh, I used to buy her gifts. She doesn't really like gifts, it turns out. Like they just would be, end up in a corner and my feelings would be hurt that she didn't appreciate my gifts. How ridiculous is that, right? So it's not that she didn't appreciate my gifts, it's that she just doesn't like gifts. She's not that big on, like she, I can buy her some flowers occasionally and she'll like the gesture. But really what she likes is when I'm making sure that the house gets painted or that I'm making dinner or that I take the time. She also likes to be heard and praised, you know, that I'm complimenting her on what she's accomplishing in her life. And so every day, you know, to nurture that, her personally and the relationship, I do that. Um, and nurturing someone personally might be taking the time to really listen to them and hear what's going on in their life. It might be massaging their feet or creaming their feet. It might be, I mean, anything you can think of that's going to be nurturing and supportive of your partner as an individual. And then last but not least, we're talking about feeding into the marriage itself, the relationship itself. And so before I jump into that too deeply, I want you to get that a marriage has its own life. And that life is contingent on you and your partner, but it's also contingent. It also has a relationship. Your marriage has a relationship to your family. It has a relationship to your friends, to your children to your children's friends, families, anyone who sees you and your partner interact has some kind of emotional investment in your marriage because they see you as a team. Maybe they don't, maybe that's part of the problem. If you haven't put an end to the fight, they might not see you as a team, they might see you as the anti-team. What's my evidence for a marriage having a life of its own? Why is it that when we get married, we ask for there to be a witness? Why is it that when we get married, we want other people to share in the event? 
part of what's going on in that event is those people are standing for your relationship. When they came to your wedding, they were standing for your marriage. They weren't standing for you, just for you, or, or for him or her. They were standing for the commitment you made in creating that marriage. And part of their job as witnesses is to help you stay on track. Though I've noticed that people who come to weddings don't always get that that's their job. <clears throat> that's my evidence for marriages have a life of their own and need to be nurtured. And your marriage, your relationship needs to be nurtured, not just through individual acts of kindness that you're giving to your partner, feeding their love languages, but it is nurtured by you talking about what are your dreams together? What's your vision for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? What is the quality of life you want to have together on a day-to-day -day basis? How can you help each other fulfill your sense of, of uh, mission and purpose that I was talking about earlier? That how can, how can your marriage support you individually in that? And how can you individually support the marriage through that? Very often what happens is people get very wrapped up in their work and they stop taking care of themselves and then they stop taking care of their partner and then both of them stop taking care of the marriage itself. So once you've got the self-care going on, once you're showing up for your partner, what are the ways that you can show up for your marriage? What does vacation time look together? That's look like together. That's a form of nurturing the marriage. How about your finances? Where are your finances? Do you, if you have a long-term vision that you want to have a house somewhere, I was, let's say Miami or California or Hawaii or North Carolina or wherever, you want to have a house somewhere together. How are you structuring your finances to put the money away for that? Right? You probably, hopefully, have, are putting away money for your individual 401ks or retirement funds through your work. But how are you putting money away for other things in the future? How are you putting money away if you want to have a child or if you have children? How are you putting away money for their college? How are you dealing with those finances? How aware of you of what's going out and what's coming in and making sure that when it goes out, it's going out not just to instant gratification, not just to maintaining your lifestyle today, but to investing in the relationship, the marriage commitment that you've made to your future. That is a way to very directly nurture your marriage. And you know, I'm gonna go back where I was, 40% of marriages failing in the United States and in the world, in fact, over money fights. And that has to do with two things. That has to do with not, not being in complete alignment about the future and not being in complete alignment about how to handle money for the future. Those are the two things that most get in the way. And it, it's to some extent, because we live in a culture of instant gratification and we're very focused on having those good things now instead of putting stuff away and working a little harder to have those good things now. Uh, what, so what I mean is I don't want to diminish having things now, but when we have things now at the expense of our future, we're selling out ourselves, we're selling out our partner and we're selling out the marriage as a separate entity. And so the idea here is that we want to put, we want to prioritize our finances, just like we prioritize our time. 
We're going to make sure we take time for ourselves. We're going to make time for our partner. We're going to make time for our marriage. Of course, part of taking time for ourselves, if we like our work, is that we're going to make sure we have a good amount of time. If we don't like our work and it's about making money, then we're going to balance work with personal time. We're going to prioritize what we do with our emotional space. I didn't want to forget that. So let me just throw this piece in. When you have time together, when we have time together, you want to be super intentional about the quality of that time. That's what I mean by emotional space. It's not just that we're checking off boxes, which is something we all are really good at. I'm a great box checker. It's that we want to think about when we have time together as a couple, what's the quality of the experience, the emotional quality of the experience? Part of ending the fight is being very committed to starting and increasing intimacy, loving time together, emotionally caring time together. So we want to be very intentional about how we use that time very intentional about the experience we want to have. Okay. Now, if you're in a place where you don't understand how to end the fight, you can contact me directly. Uh, no charge. Spend some time talking together. bit.ly forward slash end the fight. bit.ly forward slash end the fight. And if you're in a later stage of your relationship, and you want to grow that marriage, this is another way you can reach out to me. Or email me rich at richinrelationship.com if you have questions. But I would suggest that you commit to taking that next, next step, whatever it is. Is the next step ending the fight? And if you can't, if you're ending the fight, how do you deal with the things that contributed to it? The things that are going to build up your self-care, your care for your loved one and your marriage. Decide what are the next steps and how are you gonna get there? And that's all I have for you today.